0: I know y'all are alive. I can actually feel your breath right here. This is the splash seats right here. So don't worry, I won't spit today, not today. Uh, but we're so glad that you're here with us this morning at City of Lights. Um, it is a joy to serve. My name is Pastor John. My, with my wife, we get to we've been honestly blessed with the honor to come and serve uh, to lead this church plant and to be a part of this great growing community that God's building here in Indianapolis. Yeah, come on, somebody can be excited about it. And, um, and we're glad that you're here Shakables, As you saw in the video, we have been in the middle of a series called The Unshakeables. And in this series, we have been each week talking about the unshakable foundations of the faith. That there is a way that we can build that when the storms of life come, we will not be destroyed. And so each week, we've been talking about these different Foundations, unshakable foundations of the faith from what is salvation, what is repentance, what is lordship, uh, what is the who is the Holy Spirit would actually probably be more accurate. And today we're going to talk about discipleship, the unshakable mission of making disciples. And so often when we think about discipleship, this can be um, it, it depending on your religious background or context, that word can come with it, some weird connotations. Some of, it, some of you may have come from a very strict or rigid religious tradition where maybe uh, there was a heavy-handed demonstration of this principle. And it was kind of like, you know, you didn't know if you could watch a movie without texting your discipler. Um, I, I don't know if anybody's come from that kind of thing. Or, or maybe you've just kind of seen it as more of a counselor, where it's just somebody who gives you suggestions, and maybe you do it, maybe you don't. Um, but today we want to look at the Scripture. We want to see what does the Bible say about discipleship. Because it's really a very important, crucial aspect of the faith. So much so that Jesus gave a very, very strong exhortation before he would ascend to heaven to his disciples about what it is that they were called to do from this moment on. And so we're going to start looking in the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew is the first book in the Old Testament, part of one of the Gospels, and these Gospels were the stories, the the live action accounts of this person, our King, our Savior, Jesus. So if you would, go ahead and turn with me uh, to the book of Matthew. And once you get there, we're actually going to go to the back of the book, of that book of Matthew, to chapter 28. I'm going to start in verse 16. It said, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go ahead and bow your heads with me let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, I'm asking that you would help reshape, that you would refine, that you would appropriately align our understanding of what discipleship is. Lord, I pray that all of, any good foundation that's been laid in this way, that you would help bring greater Uh, understanding and clarity and lord i pray that any poorly laid foundations any cracked foundations any any foundations that have really just been a construct of cultural norms or religion just religiosity lord i pray that you break that up that you dig that up and lord that you would help us leave with a clear understanding of what it means to follow you and help others to do the same help us this morning in jesus name Amen. Thank you, Richie. Your mission, if you do accept it, dot dot dot. Throw this away before it blows up. That was kind of the classic move in the Mission Impossible movies. Anybody a Mission Impossible fan? You bet. You've aware. Thank you. One hand. I appreciate that one hand. So, in in the Mission Impossible movies, stories essentially. There was this. Uh, there was Ethan Hunt, a secret agent, and he was often given these most impossible missions. Uh, and and pretty much he was given these missions because he had like the audacity and the skill set to actually try to pull these things off. And uh, when we look at these crazy things, um, I think that often in a very similar fashion, that's what I perceive here when Jesus. Is giving this instruction and this mission to the disciples, is he's calling them to something that really seemed quite impossible and probably seems impossible to us or intimidating at the very least today. Whenever we think of discipleship or the Great Commission, especially maybe if you're not naturally extrovert. A natural extrovert and wired to like go out and connect with people and talk to people. I understand there are just people that are just naturally wired, wired to go and tell folks stuff even though if they don't really want to hear it anyway, right? Many of you know that person. If it's me, don't, don't acknowledge that right now. Um, but sometimes, especially if you're not necessarily wired that way, the idea of going out and talking to people or sharing our faith or making disciples can be such intimidated thing. And I would imagine as well, particularly when you think of these 11 disciples that Jesus was talking to, none of them who are necessarily like wired to go out and be these world changers by their own, uh, own acknowledgement or by their own pedigree. Here, he's speaking to them and declaring that the whole world is going to be transformed and renewed by you men, by you women, Going out and making disciples. Good job, go do it. Right? Fishermen. Fishermen by trade, like stinky brothers. Right? It wasn't like you would actually try to avoid them just because of their occupation. You know, just kind of how it is sometimes. Oh, I hate to admit this. Sometimes people try to avoid you if they find out you're a pastor. So it's like if you ever, I I realized this a long time ago. If I was ever on a plane, I didn't want, if it was a Southwest flight, I didn't want somebody sitting right next to me. I just get my Bible out and start reading it. People look and they go, oh. (laughs) (laughs) That, or I just make myself, it's like a puffer fish. I just make myself look extra big, which isn't that hard. But, you know, if they got to choose between, like, you know, a little skinny person or me, I'm like, all right. Extra breathing room can't give away all my tips this morning. Um, Anyway, but you know it's like we think we see these guys who are just everyday normal guys and yet God wanted to work through mundane everyday people to do a miraculous and incredible mission. And that mission was to help other people find and follow Jesus. That's really what this great commission is. It's not a Uh, a mandate to go be the most extrovert, be the loudest mouth in the school or in work. it's, It's not this call to go be as crazy and as extremely awkward as possible. It's a call to help people meet, find, experience the light of Jesus and follow him. The unshakable life is a life that helps others find and follow Jesus. I'm gonna say that again. The unshakable life helps others find and follow Jesus. So this morning, that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about the call of discipleship. This life of discipleship, this call to not only be a disciple, but make disciples and, and accept this mission. It mean it's really a threefold call. Number one, it's a call to be. Number two, it's a call to deny. Then, lastly, it's a call to go. So first of all, we want to talk about the call to be. I want to turn to the book of Mark. It's right next door to the book of Matthew. Hey, what's up, Matthew? Hey, man, it's good. Yes, I just personified a book of the Bible. We're going to look at Mark, beginning in chapter 1, verse 16. It says, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he, being Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little further, he saw, Jesus, saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed him. The first thing is the call to discipleship is a call to be. The call to discipleship, before we can disciple others, discipleship begins by being disciples ourselves. It begins by us accepting the call to follow Jesus. Jesus. To be a disciple is to be a lifelong learner and follower of Jesus. Really, that's what it means. If you want to know, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to help make disciples? It's all about being a follower and learner of Jesus. Not just a learner. Many times we like to help people. We like to study about the Bible. We like to study about the person of Jesus. We like to study about religion. But we really don't want to follow. Y'all hear me this morning. It's real quiet. We don't want to follow. We want to know everything. We want to read the blogs. We want to comment on Facebook about this book or that book. We want to get all of the information, but we actually don't want to do anything about it. There's a book called The Big Idea by John and Dave Ferguson. And one of the reasons they wrote this book is because they noticed this horrible trend in the church where we as a people in general have more access to information than ever before through Google and through the internet and through smartphones, we can access, I mean, immeasurable amounts of information. It's amazing how I remember when I would study 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, working on messages or working on uh, lessons to teach on worship and various things, and I would walk into Starbucks with like a stack of books Or or you'd have to go to the library and just get a stack of books. And now, right on my device, I can have immediate access to thousands of commentaries and, and Bible dictionaries and all of these things. And yet, even as our ability to access information has increased, our ability to retain information has significantly decreased. How many of you right off the bat, right now, could tell me seven phone numbers of your friends right now? Or your kids' phone numbers, for that matter. Or can remember your kids' names. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> and I did it to myself. Man, I remember my dad, he would call, because I'm the oldest of seven. If he was, like, real, like, trying to get our attention, he's a little hopped up about it. He'd be like, hey, uh, P- Peter, Mary, Jude, you know who I'm talking to. <laughs> right. But our our capacity to retain information has decreased. I remember, like, you had to memorize phone numbers. Your life depended on it. Your life depended on, you couldn't jack that up, right? You had to go to a pay phone. It was like an emergency situation. I remember I was in Indianapolis Children's Choir, and my parents were picking me up, or so I thought. And I had one quarter. I had to make sure I dialed the right number, right? You had to know that information. But so often, because we have everything at at our fingertips, we have all this access, so often we don't really retain it. We don't expect to actually do anything with it. And so this book and the big idea, their whole point is so often we throw out all these things, we study, we we get all the information without the expectation of executing it. Without the expectation of actually doing something. Jesus, whenever he spoke, he didn't just speak without a, a clear expectation for how people to respond were to respond. Go and sin no more. Choose now life or death. It's not just about getting the information, it's about following him. It's about being a disciple, not just about telling people great platitudes and our own opinions and our own thoughts on everything. It's amazing how diluted discipleship can become when we stop. We actually, we, we talk about ideas of Christianity without actually following the person of Christ. We want to be a people, first and foremost, who follow Jesus and not just follow him one that we have this thing that we've been saying in our family lately Kelly had heard it from another uh mom I think a mom blogger a video and we're talking about obedience what does it mean to obey and and so our kids say this they say Kelly says what does it mean to obey they say right away all the way in a happy way and so Johnny he loves reciting it but whenever he gets that bad attitude I'm like what is what is obedience he goes a happy way <laughs> but the first thing is Right away. It said immediately they responded. Immediately. We want to be a people that we don't just think about, blog about, tweet about, comment about, discuss about the things of Jesus. But we're a people that respond and follow him. We're a people that are disciples first. So the first thing is a call to go. The second thing, continuing on that same path, is a call to deny. In Mark... Chapter 8, Jesus is giving this exhortation, beginning in verse 34. He says, in calling to the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can man give in return for his soul? The call of discipleship is the call to deny. Jesus makes it plain to all of his disciples that a life of discipleship is truly a life of self-discipline. Denial. It's a, it's a call to deny our flesh, to deny our selfishness, to deny our self-determination, to deny our self-righteousness, and anything that would keep us and hold us back from obeying Jesus. And of course, the paradox in this is that in losing our life and denying ourselves, we actually gain far more than we could ever imagine. There is a cost to discipleship there really is there's a cost to discipleship anyone that tells you different is either uninformed or they're really insecure and are afraid to offend you but there's a cost to discipleship and the currency of the kingdom is surrender the currency of the kingdom is to say god it's all yours anyway I give you my life, I give you my time, I give you my treasure, I give you my dreams, I give you everything, and I receive all of you. All of you. And what we get on the other side is far greater than anything that we would cling to. Now when we talk about denying ourselves, it's not just, sometimes we think of like, (laughs) We can kind of just think of the normal things. Okay, if I'm gonna deny myself, I'm gonna follow Jesus, I gotta give up smoking, uh, maybe give up cussing, you know, it's kind of a new day. Uh, you know, I am gonna maybe give up alcohol depending on where you're from. I'm gonna stop doing this, put throw away all my secular uh we'll delete all my secular songs. We used to throw away secular CDs, but that doesn't really apply now because you can throw away the CDs and you're like, Yeah, but I got that back up on streaming. Um they, have, they don't have that religious filter yet on Spotify, you know. <laughs> but we think of these things, and some of the things it's, are easier to give up. Some of the things we actually kind of wanted to get rid of anyway. You know, you're like, Lord, I can get, <laughs> I want to get free of my debt. I surrender my debt to you, Jesus. All my college loans, I deny myself. I deny Sally Mae in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. And you will default. Hallelujah. (laughs) Give to Sally what is Sally's. Give to the Lord what is the Lord's. (laughs) Some of y'all, that just resonated in your (laughs) spirit. Yes, Lord. Thank you, education. Um, But we, 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 we hear that there's certain things that are easier than there's other things that honestly, it's so hard. It's so hard. You know, and and a lot of times, it's not necessarily because we don't recognize that we need to, to release it, to surrender it. But we're almost, we've built our lives upon certain things for so long, we're afraid of what life would be like without it. Have you ever been in a relationship that you knew was destroying you, and yet you just couldn't let it go because of a fear of where you would get that affirmation? because of a fear of being lonely, because of a fear of what it would feel like if you didn't have that immediate gratification, and yet enduring abuse and brokenness on and on and on because of a fear of that lack. Maybe God has called some of you to go to a new city, to go and into a miss to the mission field. Maybe it's a mission field where it's more of a the traditional humanitarian, go overseas or go to a certain area. Or maybe it's a mission field in the marketplace. Maybe God's calling you to a vocation to go be light in a dark place. And yet, because of what it might cost, or what it might call you to, or the possibility of being rejected, rejected, or the possibility of not having the benefits that you're used to having, or the possibility of uh, of being, not being around family or not being around all the things that you're used to, we just kind of hold back. We see this when it came to the story of a young man. We call him in the, in the scripture, he's called the rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus kind of very, um, I think he was really thinking he was going to be like disciple of the year. Like he was going to be rookie of the year, first round draft pick in the disciple draft. And he comes and he's like, I've obeyed everything. I've checked all the dots off. You know, I'm ready. What do, you, what do I need to do? And Jesus basically says, go sell all your possessions and follow me. All those things that you've built up that resume with to make yourself feel good about yourself, I want you to go and sell all that and follow me. And he walks away. Rather sadly. The call to discipleship. Is a call to deny, to deny yourself, to to release, to surrender. All those things that you've been holding on to, whether it's good or bad. I talked to a young man this week, and, and he has been in a relationship, and it's a good relationship. He loves the Lord. She loves the Lord. They're moving forward in that, looking and thinking and praying about the future. And even things like that, I told him. That's great. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. Hold it with an open hand and surrender before the Lord. Whether it's something that we know we need to let go of or it's something that's been a gift, everything we have, we hold it in surrender to the Lord. The currency of the kingdom is surrender. It's a call to deny. I want to read this quote. It's from the book, The Cost of Discipleship. It was written by a young pastor and theologian and really an anti-Nazi revolutionary by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And it was while he was in different concentration camps where he would write messages and sermons and notes to encourage the believers that had been uh, kept in these concentration camps as well as writing to the prison guards themselves. So he knew a thing or two about this cost of discipleship. He says this in his book. Costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again and again. The gift which must be asked for. The door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. It is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus. It is costly because it costs a man his life and it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin. And grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. Yea, were we bought at a price. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son to, to die a price I'm sorry. God's not wrecking his son to a dear a price to pay for our life, but he delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the carnation of God. It costs something. Discipleship costs something. And it costs us everything. Do you hear me this morning, everybody? It's going to cost you. But what we get in return is far greater than we could ever imagine. But we don't want to. Discipleship is not a negotiation with God. It's not like, God, if you bless me in this way, then I'll give you this. I'm thankful it's not a negotiation. Because you think about it the other way, which is how many of us have lived, and I know I've lived, where it's like, okay, well, if I do this and this and this, then maybe he'll bless me. If I do this and this and this, maybe he'll love me. If I do this and this and this, maybe I'll do enough to find my way to heaven. He paid it all. And he calls us to surrender. Thirdly, the call to discipleship is a call to go. Now, I read Matthew 28, 28, 16 through 20. Again, it said, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold. I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, it's here in the scripture where Jesus he is commissioning and he's coming to the disciples to give them this charge. This is what your charge is from here until I return. The charge, the mission of the people of God lies in this. Why is it? First of all, he says, All authority has been given to me, the highest authority. Has been given from the highest authority to go out and make disciples. Why do we make disciples? Because he said so. This wasn't the great suggestion, it was the great commission. This isn't just for a few loud mouths, this is for every believer. If you have the spirit of the living God in you, then you are called to the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? You have a call and a mission to see people come in relationship with Jesus and follow him. All of you, every believer, it doesn't matter what your background is, extrovert, introvert, loud, quiet, brown, white, churched, newly saved every person I had a pastor that said we were asking questions about discipling you know how you know you can always seem to have these hoops that we have to jump through to be good enough to help people follow Jesus and I remember as at this church and we had so many different programs and it's it's not a bad thing to have leadership development. It's a good thing. We want to make disciples we want to help people follow Jesus. But at this time it was almost like man you had to go to all these classes all these things all these books before you could ever make a disciple. And we asked this pastor who had pastored many, many thousands of people and led them to Jesus and was following God. And we said, how do you know when somebody's ready to make a disciple? And his reply was, just stay one chapter ahead of the person you're leading. And all these pastors and leaders, they're like, "Take writing these notes. And when he said that, they're like, what? what?" I mean, surely there's more than that. It's like, if you have come in contact with the living God, I mean, how many times have we seen in Scripture, the woman at the well, she completely gets rocked by Jesus, and immediately she runs back to the city. She goes, this man, he told me everything about me. They hear her, and they start running. She's just fresh out the fire, still smelling like smoke. God used her. It's a call to go. And that authority, it wasn't just a man-made authority. It wasn't just something that your pastor says. It came from God himself. He says, I have all authority. All authority in heaven and earth is mine, and I'm giving you that same authority. It's like when you, if, if someone were to come and give you a, a, uh, a summons, <laughs> you know, if I came to your house on my authority and summoned you to do something, many of you would be like, what? I'm going back to bed. <laughs> We're not coming on our own authority. We can have confidence because we have been commissioned by the great, most high God, the creator. When you interact with people, when you're going in the business place or in the coffee shop, you can have confidence when we are operating in Jesus by his leading because when we talk to people, we can have confidence that the God that created you, the God that made you and fashioned you and put breath in your lungs, he sent me. To show you love. We can have confidence because he's commissioned us. The authorities come from him. That's the why. The what? We're going to go make disciples. As we go about our daily lives, we get renewed. We want to have this renewed sense of purpose that our call is to help people find Jesus and follow him. Find and follow. That it's not just about helping introduce Jesus to people, but actually helping them follow him. To get to know him, to connect with him. Not just a set of ideas, not just a set of philosophies, but the actual person of Jesus. Who are we to go to? We're to go to everyone. Every nation. Every people. One of the things I love about the video that you all saw earlier, the the Every Nation update, is we get to be a part of of a spiritual family, of a church family, that is really intentional about going to Every Nation in our generation that we want to go to the nations we want to go to those places that people say oh don't go there i I remember i was a middle eastern studies major at florida state and i was talking to the dean of the school and she was actually a christian so it kind of shocked me her response and i was telling her she said you know why are you majoring in this i said "Well, i have a heart for the middle east i want to see people you know come to know him i want to see the those of the abrahamic covenant come to faith and be restored to the father she was like oh that's nice You'll probably never convert anyone in the Middle East. And I just kind of thought, okay, you're safe, right? You got the same Bible I got. So I'm pretty sure. Whenever you see the sign that says, don't go here, that's usually where the believers are supposed to go. That's the places that God wants to take his light. And we get to be a part of that. Sometimes it's not even just the mission field. Sometimes we can get a lot of faith to go overseas. And I'm not mad at that. Go overseas. Go to Bangladesh, go to Africa, go to Asia, go to the ends of the earth. But some of y'all just need a little bit more confidence to go to 38th and Sherman. Well, mm, 21st and Central. (laughs) Some of y'all, the only time you go to the inner cities, look for a house you can flip. Oh Lord I'm just saying we're going to all nations (laughs) all boroughs Hallville somebody in Hallville come on somebody some of y'all need to go to Hallville to reach people instead of reaching for Long's Donuts yes Lord I love Long's but I love the people (laughs) but seriously but but seriously we want to go to all people all people not being intimidated of just going. It's easy to go to, to fish in a stock pond. Sometimes it's like we, you can be like me, and this is a horrible thing. And I, I was so wrecked with rejection and fear of rejection when I was in high school. I would never ask the girl out unless I was really convinced that she would say yes. And so all of my judgments were purely carnal. I'm like, well, she's kind of insecure, so she's going to say yes. Yes. I'm just saying, y'all, this is confessions. Confessions? Because I was so insecure, and sometimes we're like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go reach people. And we like, we try to go do outreach and like a church outreach. <laughs> like I remember there was people handing out flyers from a different church at our church's fall festival. I was like, that's a stock pond right there. Everybody you meet's in a life group, probably leading a life group. We want to go to the places. And not be afraid to go to the places God sends us, the dark places, the places where you're more likely to get cussed out than have somebody join your life group immediately. Why? Because this light needs to go to everybody. There's not a person in this city that Jesus doesn't want to love on. There's not a person in this city that's not desperate for the love of the Father, for the Holy Spirit to transform them, to call them to hope, to call them to love. So all authority has been given to him, and he's given that to us to commission us. We want to go make disciples of all nations, and we want to baptize and teach them to observe. We want to teach them to observe. Again, it's not just about a philosophy. It's not just talking to people about Jesus. It's not just, you know, just sharing a post about Jesus is not the call to discipleship. It's about actually not just giving information but saying, hey, I want to help you walk this thing out. And and we can do that when we follow the first thing and we are a disciple ourselves. It's really hard to help other people practically follow Jesus if we're not following Jesus. If you go to a city like New York or L.A. and you want to go on these sightseeing tours, you want, if you go to New York, you want that guide, you want that tour guide that like grew up like four generations New, New Yorker. Like family, immigrated, showed up at you know Lady Liberty came in like he has he knows all the spots he knows the best pizza spot this is the spot to go to in New York this is the best cupcake or cronut or whatever new pastry New Yorkers are freaking out about you want that guy you don't want the girl that just moved from Arkansas to pursue her dream in acting and she showed up 2 weeks ago and she just couldn't find any other job except for a tourism thing you don't want her y'all right why because she's barely even been there she's gonna have you going every which way confused you want the person that has actually walked those streets been to those places in the same way as as followers of Jesus we want to help people Paul said follow me as I follow Christ if someone's not following Christ you need to reconsider we don't want to, that's why I have a fear of God in a good sense. Is I want to follow Jesus, not so I can like walk around with my chest puffed up and talk about how much better, how much more righteous I am. I have a fear of God to follow him because I know I don't have the answers. And if I'm even going to have a chance to help anybody follow him, I've got to follow him. There's so many things. You know, that's why I love this Bible, because there's a lot of things I haven't experienced. There's a lot of things I haven't roads I haven't walked on. And when I come to those situations, I don't have to conjure it up. I don't have to make it up. I don't have to just Google it. I can go to his word and say, Jesus, what did you do in this situation? What did you do in this situation? And then bring other people to the word. I do want to encourage you, if you're somebody that's leading a city group, or you're somebody that's encouraging, leading other people in the faith. Make sure you're leading them to the word and not your own opinions. Lead them to Jesus and not your offense-colored perspectives on religion. Let us be followers and call people to follow Jesus. And then, lastly in that, he says, remember and lo, I am with you. You've started this, heard us say this before. Discipleship happens in community. God is not just call us to go on our lonesome. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he said, I'm sending a helper, the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm with you every step of the way. I'm not just sending you out on your lonesome. I am with you. I am coming. I am filling you. I am going to give you everything you need to fulfill this mission. When I was younger, I, was, I would really battle, especially when I was around like 10 to about 12, 13, I was really, really struggling with fear of the dark and like intensely scared. And, and I play it off by just trying to make sure that if I was ever in the dark, I had somebody else with me. But I was intensely scared. And not to be too graphic, but you know, some people have bedwetting challenges, and, and I understand that it's real, struggle's real. Uh, But for me, there's a lot of times I was so afraid of the dark that when I'd wake up in the middle of the night, if it was dark and I couldn't get somebody to wake up and go with me, I would just wet myself because it was, that was a better bad situation than having to go into the dark by myself. That's just how deathly afraid I was. And so usually the person that was with me was my brother Peter. Peter is the second oldest of our clan of seven and notoriously, he would get woken up. I'd wake up. I had to go to the bathroom where I wanted to get a drink of water. And I'd go, Peter, Peter, are you awake? And he wouldn't reply. I'd go, Peter, Peter, are you awake? And he'd go, what? Huh? What? I'm like, Peter, you're thirsty, aren't you? He'd go, what, John, John? I'm like, man, you're really thirsty, aren't you? It's like, what are you talking about? I was like, we should go get water together. <laughs> so I do this. I do this for a while. And one night, I think he probably was just fed up of getting waking, woken up by me at night. He, he was like, I'm, he was helping me. He said, I'm going to help you get over this fear, which is kind of awkward and, and, and honestly humbling because I was the older brother. And so we lived in one of these old houses in the old north side before the renovation. So there was like like caverns and critters and things. But no. But there was this long hallway, and it was really kind of scary for a little kid, or at least for me, wasn't that little. And so all the lights were out. It was at night. And Peter went first. He walked into this dark area. And I had to go through all these rooms, get to the kitchen. And then once I got to the kitchen, I could turn on the light. And I remember he went ahead and he was was back in the dark kitchen and he goes, all right, now come. (laughs) And I remember looking into this dark abyss and just thinking, I would rather wet myself (laughs) than walk in there. And, and I was being called, really, it wasn't like I had to go repent of necessarily a bunch of things. It was like all of these fears that had been built up in my mind of what was lurking, what would happen if I went in there. Now, I knew in the reality, you turn on the light, and there's nothing there, it's no big deal, but yet I was just, I stood there, and and I remember him calling me and saying, come on, John, John, I'm right in here. And eventually, I'd walk through that darkness, <laughs> and then... I got about two steps, and I ran. I was like, I'm getting to that light. And I flipped the switch on, and of course, everything was great. Some of us, when we think about this call to discipleship, it's literally like walking into darkness. Bible and just dating. We're like, man, I would just really love just to sit where I am and read the Bible and just try to live nice. But God's calling us to go to dark places. He's calling us to go into places that will require that we deny our fears, that we deny the props that we put up in our lives. But I encourage you, Jesus, he is our great brother that has gone before us into the dark places, that has given up everything so that we can have the courage and the grace to follow him. And he's calling you this morning. He's calling you out of your comfort zone. He's calling you beyond fear. He's calling you beyond all of the constructs that we use to make ourselves feel safe. And he's calling you to come into this place, not just so that you can get over your fear, but so that you can go into dark places and turn on the light for everyone else. So that as we go to the places he's calling us to go, that we would be the light of the world. That we would be a city of lights filled with the people who aren't afraid to go into the workplace and to go to the campus, to go to cross the street, to bring the truth and the love and the grace of Jesus to people who are desperate for it. The best thing is that we never have to go alone. This call to discipleship, I love that it wasn't just that he, Jesus, was giving this exhortation to Matthew just to these one-on-one guys, but he was telling them together as a people, go. And he's saying that to us, not just City of Lights, but as the greater church and the greater body in India, is to go, make disciples. Not just go and hold great worship services, although it's good to worship together. Not just go And do Bible studies, although it's great to do Bible studies and learn about his word, but to go to new communities, to new neighborhoods, to people that God, the Holy Spirit has really been challenging us to share love to. But we've been so afraid of rejection that we've withheld it. Let's be people that go. We have an incredible opportunity that God's been opening up to us. And one of the things that I was have been praying for a little while now is for just some divine placement in the city. I knew that when God was calling us to leave the church that we were at, to move our family of seven and to come plant, the thing that God spoke very clearly is that we were to be a city church, that we were going to be a, a church in 465 that was going to reflect the diversity of ethnically, educationally, socioeconomically of the city of Indianapolis. And so a big part of our prayers was God to be a part of community and to be uh, in a location in the community, but to be a part of community and to be a part of a transforming community. And we've been really blessed to have this location. Honestly, this, this location here, the theater was a godsend, and, and I'm so thankful for my friend Jason Mayer, who's one of the managers here. Yeah, we can give him a hand. He's not in here, but we give him a hand. You will see it on the stream. It was really an incredible blessing. Um, But right now, over the last probably couple months now, I've been in talks uh, about a relocation to an incredible facility that I really think is going to be a God partnership. And so we're in talks. I've been meeting with some of the executive team and the directors with the YMCA over at Avondale Meadows Y. And um, there's an incredible initiative taking place right now in the city of Indianapolis with YMCA's all over the city. There's about 14 YMCA's, I believe, the YMCA's of greater Indianapolis. And really, the CEO has put out a charge that he wants to see a church or a church plant meeting in every YMCA in the city. Right? It's not just the Y. And so in that... um, guy that has been a part of that he's the director of Christian Emphasis of the Y. His name is Josh Heaston. I connected with this guy about a month and a half ago and it was just such a God moment. And he was like, man, you got to come out to this Avondale Meadows Y. I think it's I think you guys are going to be a great fit. He had been praying for months for the right church to come and be a part of this community. There's really a resurgence and a revitalization happening in the community. You have Tinley High School, middle school and elementary school there, which is really doing an incredible job of preparing young people for college. I believe they just won uh, the state championship uh, in basketball. Just, you know, there's just great things happening in that community, and we have an opportunity to go and be a part of it. And so right as of right now, if everything continues to move in the direction, by the end of August, we're going to be relocating to the Avondale Meadows Y, and we're super, super excited about it. Can we go ahead and throw up the picture of that? Look at that. So this, I mean, this, this Y is just, it's amazing the space that it has. We're going to, over the next few weeks, talk more about it. We're going to have Josh Houston come and greet you all as well, I believe. Is, is Kenny here? Can you wait? There you go. Kenny, can you just step forward with that beautiful one of yours? Raise your hand. Kenny, go ahead. Give him a hand. You don't know him yet, but give him a hand. Kenny is the director of youth athletics, one of the directors over there at the Y. We're so glad he's here with us this morning. Uh, but this is not just a rental lease thing that we're looking at, because we're believing God for a partnership to see the community transform, to see families restored, and not just to see, this isn't one of those things that we're just going in, you know, for like a yearly inner city outreach. We're saying, no, 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 we are a community that God is building to be transformative. Amen? And so to be who we are called to be, it's not just about this community needing us. We need this community. We need this community to become the kind of multi-ethnic, multi-generational, transformative people of God that we're called to be at City of Lights. And so I'm super excited that we have an opportunity not just to talk about making disciples, but we actually have an opportunity to respond and go and make disciples. Whether it's at 38th and Keystone, whether it's 116th and Keystone, we have the call and commission to go and help people to find Jesus and follow him. So I'm so excited, one, that I get to do it. I feel honored to be a disciple of Jesus. But I get so excited to know we as a family, as a community of believers, get to do this together. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you haven't called us to anything that you did not do first. That you go before us. That you prepared a way. And that you don't just go and say, okay, don't mess anything up, kids. Don't mess anything up. Keep your hands to yourself. But you actually go and you say, come, be a part of this with me. Come and not just be loved, but be loved. Come and not just experience peace, but release peace in atmospheres and environments. Come and not just receive mercy, but extend mercy. That's the call. And so, Lord, we don't want, Lord, I pray that in your mercy and by your grace, that we would not just be a people that hear about you or hear about the mission and talk about the mission, but we would be about the mission, that we would be about denying ourselves and stepping up, not just to uh, get a badge that said we showed up and we made a disciple, but to be a part of the great joy of seeing people be changed and transformed by your love as we are being changed and transformed by your love, Lord. Father, I pray that even as we continue to have talks, with the directors over at YMCA as we continue to believe for you to build that relationship that you would bring other people that you would have divine appointments I thank you there's families in that community that are crying out for help and we get the opportunity to be the answer to prayer as we respond in obedience Lord I thank you that there's communities and families all over this city Lord God who are waiting for a missional people true followers of Jesus to help them do the same Give us the boldness. Give us the courage. Give us the grace to step across the street, to step across the aisle, to step around the cubicle, to be light in dark places. We thank you that we're not alone and that we do this, not just by your calling, but by your leading. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.